Hi everyone, welcome to the second edition of the Underwear News Briefs podcast. I want to thank everyone for downloading the first one, and this one is out really quick after that one. So, And if you haven't done so, subscribe through iTunes right now, because it is in the directory. And I am Tim from the website Underwear News Briefs, and we'll be bringing this podcast on occasion. Hopefully pretty regularly, we are teaming up, like I said, with two other bloggers, and they have some good stuff in the works. And I have some interviews in the works, too. I don't want to give them away just yet until they're all confirmed, but uh, we're going to have some good stuff. And our second podcast, which is this will be our really first official podcast, is about a very interesting company that was around the last couple of years called James Winston company. If you're not familiar with them, they were a really innovative underwear company out of the UK and they had some really cool stuff, but due to the credit crisis and a lot of the things they didn't make it, they closed the end of last year. And we have today on the podcast with us, James Winston, who co-founded it with his partner. And he goes into really candid detail about what happened with the company, where's it going, if it's going to come back, it's in all in the interview. And I hope you enjoy it. There are some little Skypey issues because recording with Skype is just a joy. So there's one part in the middle where you'll, it'll go totally blank and you'll hear me go, uh-oh. But uh, that's the joys of dealing with Skype if you're familiar with it. It doesn't always work as planned. You get what you pay for, basically, because it's free. So here is the interview with uh, James Winston Company, Brian James. And we hope you enjoy it. And I will talk to you just for a second after the interview record and today's podcast we have brian james from james winston company welcome to the podcast are you there yep hello there Tim. okay cool and many of you out there are aware that james winston was a company that underwear in the uk and now they are no longer with us but we have brian on today just <laughs> tell us a little about the company and their why they're gone and if they may be coming back we don't know so just tell us a little bit about the company and what happened along the way. Yeah, well, Tim, I think we need to go back about three years now to around October 2005. Okay. And I had a chance conversation with my partner. Um, I'd actually run a, a successful IT hardware business for a number of years, made some good money. And that business changed and we had to get out of it. Then it was a matter of saying, okay, well, what are, what are we going to do? What am I going to do next? And that was... Uh, a, a very difficult consideration because I was supposed to have a break for three months, which turned into 18. And, uh, you know, there's only so much money you can spend. There's only so many holidays you can have, all this kind of stuff. So oh, yeah. really had to start looking to get a bit serious on things. I'm familiar with that now because I've been out of work for six months. So <laughs> I'm familiar with that. <laughs> have, have you close to finding something yet? Nah, I've been on tons of interviews, but nothing stuck yet. So, yeah, after a couple of months, you start to get stir-crazy, and you're just like, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, okay, if you've done six months, I'm going to urge you to get going because you don't want to go through 18 months because your brain ends up like a pea. Oh, I'm working so. on it, so I'm hoping. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. For my, for my sins, I then decided, you know what? I'd been on a few holidays. I couldn't get underwear that one fitted well and was was particularly stylish, whatever. Now, to be fair, at that point in time, that may have been my ignorance of some of the more fashionable brands around the place. But the fact is, that became the raison d'etre for James Winston Underwear Company. We decided to go into the market. Um, It was supposed to have been a calculated gamble, but 
to my horror, I found out that if I wanted to make in China, they wanted something like £50,000, which is $100,000 just to start off with, to make a run, a production run. Yeah. Now, that... Oops. I didn't really do a spin too much up front. So to cut a long story short, after a, a lot of painful effort, we found a company in north of England in a place called Blackburn who was happy to do the first run for around ten to £15,000. All right? Mm-hmm. So we went, ahead, we went ahead with that, and an anomaly appeared, which, which was really pretty bad. Um, we decided to come into the market with very understated styled underwear that fitted really, really well, but was in really interesting colors. Yep. And that was in the trunk style, which was the most popular style on the high street. Again, to my horror, Tim, we ended up finding out that the, tr- the, the um, larger retailers were never going to bother with a small startup. Yeah. And as a web-based company, we decided to sell, um, selling to the guys on the net, the guys on the net who are perhaps 80% gay, did, aren't really into the trunk styles, especially of a new brand in an understated fashion. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with a total 25 grand investment, and I haven't got a, a ready market to sell to. Uh, yeah, that's never a good thing. Never a good thing. That is not a good situation. But I'll let you ask the next question. <laughs> so you branched. I know you branched out as you went along in the company. Yeah, well, the first. Styles. Yeah, the first eight months was terrible, basically, with the original staff, um, as explained. So that was that was really, really hard because unlike any other business model I've been in, you'd work every day and you could get a result at yep. the end of the week. With this model, once you've made a mistake, until you can get your money together and, you, and your strategy together, you've got a problem. Because if you're not selling well, you've got a major cash flow problem virtually instantly. Mm-hmm. So to cut a long story short, we came back eight months later uh, and uh, launched the what we called the new retro and a line called Neon. Yep. Now, now at that stage in time, no one was doing those fluorescent bright colors, all right, with the silver logos and whatever. And we just tapped into some kind of zeitgeist and, and those Neon really were selling well. At the same time, we were still a new brand, which which means that the conversion rates between um, promotion to actually sales were surprisingly bad. Mm-hmm. So we're doing better. The, the thing I think that was interesting was that we were getting an incredible reaction from the media, especially gay magazines. They, they knew we were breaking ground. They knew our imagery was great. The product was stylish because we sent it out to them so they could try it for themselves. You know, We weren't just giving them the hype. And they knew that we were doing something very, very special, even at that stage. And I think what kind of fooled us to an extent was getting that kind of publicity and thinking, right, that should kickstart. But it didn't. Mm-hmm. Not to the extent we needed it to. Yeah, because advertising works, but it has to work to a certain level. And sometimes it doesn't. Because my whole job is in advertising. Yeah. And you can get the exposure, you can get everything, but it has to boil down to actual selling. Yep. So, yeah, 
Yep. Well, absolutely. I've, I've actually had about a year in advertising myself. So I know how it works because mm-hmm. we never actually paid for any of the publicity we had. That's good, though. And that's purely down to the strength of the marketing and the strength of the product. Mm. So we had a no advertising rule because we knew we never had enough money, especially with the cash flow issues we had, to, sp- to waste money on that anyway. And as a small brand, that, w- that was always money you might as well have burned in a fire somewhere. Yeah. Because I know advertising in magazines is expensive and likely you know a lot of it's going online, which is cheaper, but still, yeah. you need a big budget to hit the right target to make sure they buy and it's a big long complicated model so you need a you need a big budget definitely and i think the thing is we were probably this we'd launched around june 2007 i believe Mm -hmm. it would be or yeah june 2007 and we probably had four months worth of decent enough sales as a small brand to say right we're kind of onto something now because all of a sudden we started seeing the the industry was was taking notice of what we were doing. Yeah, and we were seeing major competitors. All of a sudden, if we had someone up against a wall, they had the same kind of wall. If it was a certain color, they had that color. If we had certain accessories, they had those accessories. If we were sitting them down in a certain position, they were all starting to go. This guy, these this company is doing something different. Yep. Now um, that took us up to about August two thousand and seven. And that's when I took the decision to move away from our web designers. I don't know if you know the story behind that, Tim. Mm-mm, I don't know that one. Right. Well, this was probably, if anything contributed to the demise of the company, is probably getting involved with the wrong web guys from the beginning. Ah. Because it's an it's an industry whereby they have caused problems for far larger companies than ourselves. And ultimately, if you get in with the wrong web designer and you're naive, which is an area of business I was naive in, Mm -hmm. these guys can put you in a position where they're virtually controlling your business. Yeah. And they are very short-term minded. And if you get the wrong guys, they will pull whatever stunts they want to pull, such as they'll do innocuous jobs, such as coloring pants. And... They're probably four or five steps ahead of you. So you might, you might find a situation, Tim, where you're thinking, do you know what? I need some pants colored. It surely won't take long. And these guys will just color in all those pants and charge you £2,500 for that. That's $5,000. Yeah. They'll just finish the job knowing that if you don't have that stuff on your website, how can you sell if you don't have your pants there displayed? They're not going to sit there and tell you, do you know what? We've done one pant. It's actually taken us. Um, it's cost 30 quid to do one side of a pant. I'll tell you what, Brian, we'll do it for cheaper. Don't, don't spend too much money. And this was the kind of abuses that we were having as a company. And that's why in August 2008, I took the massive gamble to get away from them. And, and that ultimately cut um, the company's trading, effective trading for a further six months. Yeah, I've heard stories about web designers and everything. So, yeah, I'm familiar with if you get the wrong ones, you're pretty much screwed. Well, this might sound pretty controversial, but I'm telling you now, with America's gun laws, at its very worst, I would have shot that guy. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Because um, nobody should be put in a position where 
you're talented individuals and quite frankly we were far more creative than this idiot would ever be and it, let's put it this way it was an it was um, an education into how unscrupulous people can be in business and i ran a business and never realized it could be that bad yeah like web designers and graphic designers you have to get in with the right ones to get a good price because i have luckily i have friends here who are uh one's a designer so if i need yeah. something i can get her to do it cheap and she'll tell me like nope this takes you long yep this is good exactly and i have another friend who runs his own design business who does traditional design who knows web designers so if i need something it's like who do i need to go to yep so yeah so luckily i'm blessed on that part but i've heard People tell me similar stories about... Uh, I think the, the main catch-22 you get is when you are naive, you ask them about something, and they can never quite work out how long it's going to take. Uh-huh. And remember, they're controlling your site. So they'll, they'll deliberately go ahead and do it, because the point is, you know, these guys probably won't be around for long. We've just got to make hay while the sun shines and just rape these guys. Yep. So um, that took that six months effective trading out the business. And what I did was use that time to to plan our magnum opus, which was the S brief and petite yeah. brief. Yep. And we the rationale behind that was we, we, we had our profile panel, the original one with the, the new retros. And that had gone well, but really we, we realized we can do we could do that even better. So we made sure that uh, the construction of our pants were absolutely incredible. Uh-huh. I did the patterns myself. I probably spent five, six hours tweaking those patterns because, unfortunately, I, I couldn't do it with a designer up in Blackburn. Uh, up north, somewhere about 400, 500 miles away from me, uh-huh. I had to do it at home. So we'd tweak the pattern. We'd send someone out. They'd do a sample. They'd come back, and we'd work out how these things were fitting. Okay. And the beauty of that is it was definitely the Bentley of men's underwear because I probably went through 20 different fit tests to make sure, never mind the styling, but that we had the fit in the way you needed it. And then we decided to add Profile Panel Plus, which which really relied upon the actual quality of the cloth as 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 much as it did the actual cut of the actual panel itself. Okay. And, and that was a really fun, <laughs> it was a really fun development because when I first tried the fit test and whatever, and we added this extra little inch of, of, of paneling shape that you could actually stick your little man forward and you were just held there in this really great buoyant fashion. It was like, Jesus Christ, this is amazing. Yeah. Because in years of underwear, nobody had managed to uh, to actually do something like this where you definitely put that pant on and said, "Bloody hell, this fits amazingly." And look at the look at the the profile I've got here. Yeah. Uh, but then you could direct your man forward and you were just held. No one came close to that. Yeah, I saw that in the ads and then somebody I knew got some and I was like, "Oh, I want some." And then I never got any, so. Why not, Tim? Just who knows why? <laughs> Honestly, I was like, oh, I need to order some of those. And then it's like, forgot about it. And then it's like, oh, we're closing. And I'm going, oh, great. Well, okay. well, well I'll, I'll tell you this. The world the world seemed to have almost gone mad based on our previous results because, you know, I'm, I'm quite candid about the fact that doing this at the wrong level as a small company is the worst thing. It's the worst industry to get into as a small company. Yeah. 
to to become an an exceptionally innovative company as a small brand in this market is just suicidal because all of a sudden what you think is going to open the floodgates for you just inspires your competitors yep. to raise their game and yep. you don't capitalize upon it. Yep, it's harder when you're a smaller business to actually do that, Sam. Uh, certainly as an underwear brand because the point is the, the money, the millions they throw at those kind of things, um, that's what allows them to gain that market share and that market traction. Yep. And all we did was uh, take things to another level completely, a very British slant, a very colorful slant. You know, we use a lot of clothing, a lot of accessories because, oh, hey, the British, <laughs> we wear a lot more clothes than you guys out yep. there, right? Yep. And nobody wants to keep on seeing another tanned guy with another pair of underwear on. Yeah, you had uh, one thing I really liked was your, your images you used on the web and, and in your email campaigns. They were really good. Thank you. And they were probably really. one of the most innovative ones because you showed the product, but it wasn't like just like the usual shot. It was something interesting. You had the one guy in the, I remember like the, was it the flannel shirt with the briefs? Yeah. With underwear, that was a good one. And probably my favorite one you had was the guy in the bathroom with the briefs hanging on the doorknob. The door right. That was probably my favorite one you did. That's that's it's so weird because when you talk to people, so many have different images that are their favorites. Yep. And what I wanted to do was any time you looked at the image, it made you think on some level. Yeah, there were really there were probably the some of the best I've seen in the underwear business was your ads that you did, the different pictures because it's like oh cool. I mean it showed yeah. showed the underwear, but it showed it showcased it, but it was also something great to look at. The guy was always sexy, and it wasn't. Well, no, please continue. And it just wasn't like like I said, your typical ad. The guy just standing there. It was always something different, something new, and it sort of like I said, it was sort of a mix of the product and sort of the sex pill all in one so it wasn't anything that was like oh my god but it was just like sexy it was like oh my god that's just too too out there it yeah. was just the great mix of the two together that just, and i think i have them saved somewhere on my computer somewhere so many of your old images <laughs> have to track them down but they were really good and i always looked, looked i, I to have to say i'm glad you and so many people got what we were trying to do. The thing that disappointed me in the end, remember, I'm talking in the context of being a small brand in the underwear market. Again, I reiterate, the worst thing you can be is we were getting unbelievable hits. Yeah. But in terms of sales, it, wasn't tr it was not the splash I hoped it was going to be. It wasn't converting to moolah. Yeah, and I... And I was sitting there... And I'm seeing major competitors, right? For the last year, I've seen them checking our inventive color names, checking our colors, checking the fact we uprate the styling, checking some of the accessories, and just seeing this appearing weekly. I'm checking the underwear blogs, yep. who I have to give props to because they probably allowed us to survive to a certain degree. And I'm sitting there thinking, do you know what? This is now really playing within my head. Yeah. And it's a horrible situation to be in, trust me. Yeah, luckily, and this is one thing I'm trying to tell a lot of the people over here in the States is get involved with blogs because they're going to give you free advertising. Yeah. They're going to carry you even farther. And 
a lot of the people, at least here in the States, probably worldwide, believe what they read in blogs because they know the people doing it. They read it every day, every other day. Yeah. yeah. And what did they say, they'll go with. Yeah. And that's, I know, the men's underwear business that we have. There's a couple of big blogs out there yeah. that people can check. And it's and it seems lately that everybody's doing, luckily, something different. Yeah. Like, all the different sites are doing something different. Yeah. So that's a good thing. You can get different things. And and new brands are being able to do that because I've had a couple of new brands come to us. Yeah. And it's like, hey, here's what we're doing. And some new brands are doing some incredible things. And they would never get press otherwise. Yep. So that's what I try to tell. Cause when I tell because when people... they, they realize they have to do something different. Because there's one thing I ended up realizing at the end is with what we did with the S brief and petite brief. If we would have done that at the right levels, that was worth millions. Yep. At the wrong level, it's a license to lose money. And this is what I mean by I took a calculated gamble to come into this market based on being very successful in the previous market. And the normal rules don't apply to the underwear business. It's an interesting business, I will say. I've got to meet, talk to some some people in the business and gotten to know them over the last couple of months. Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting business because when I thought about it, I was like, oh, it's just underwear. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. There's a lot going on that you don't think about that I'm just like going, wow. Yeah. It's very interesting and it's very out there. That's right. You've also, you've also got to be able to, to capitalize on your circumstances because when we did the S brief, we were just on this rabid campaign for excellence. We wanted you to be able to, from the time you received that package, from the way it was packed, from the time you received uh-huh. the, the box, you were going, wow. Okay. Because the box looked like a perfume box. Okay. It was that kind of branding on it, you know, graphite, um, very dark, very dark gray, almost a light black, a graphite, a dark graphite, that kind of stuff there. Um, very much the kind of labeling colors, the, the gold and, and the white and all the rest of it. The shades were beautiful. So even before you took that pan out, that box was looking something special. Cool. All right. You then you took the pan out and you said, bloody hell, do you know what? This is a cool design here. These are cool colors. This is a cool contrast stitching, which nobody's doing. And then you put the pant on. So mm-hmm. my goal was to assault you on every level possible. If you saw the website, you thought, man, I have to buy this product. When you received it, you just thought, man, I have to, I have to put this thing on. Oh. When you put it on, you're like, my God, you know what? These guys are delivering on every single thing they're saying. Yeah. Because when I was talking to a couple people, I've heard nothing good about but good about Teams Winston Company. Everyone I knew who had them loved them. Loved everything about it. So um, you, You've got to try hard to do those things. And like I said, it's a very chastening tale because the end result had been um, when I came back for the sixth time, I took my third, for the third time rather, I took my final gamble. And remember, I've just gone through eight months of, uh, it took me a year to start up. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so that's money being being spent there. I spend eight months getting it wrong. I come back. I spend a further six months um, trying to to get the money together to come back for the third time. So out of 22 months, I've probably been trading for what? Eight months, mm-hmm. which is just crap. 
So no company can really survive well in those results. So what I decided to do was, okay, we're going to take a really big gamble here. We're going to come back with something special, and we're going to try and get investment from whether it's a competitor company or an investor to try and position this brand on the right level. And then the credit crunch came. Yep. That's hit everyone that I know lately. Yeah, and you think about it. An investor looks at our first year balance sheet and says, well, this company <laughs> clearly wasn't doing well. Why has he bothered getting into this business? Yep. And more importantly, once he could see that we were doing something differently, he's saying, hold on a second. Um, I don't actually have a track record in men's underwear. And it's a very investment-heavy business. Mm-hmm. And these guys have come to me, and I, I, think, I think what they've done is brilliant. But I realize I'm probably going to need to put about 250 to a half a million in this. Yeah. Uh, sorry, there's easier ways to make money. In fact, I can stick it in a bank and not have to take the risk of dealing with, yeah. with all the intricacies of the underwear business. And we had four millionaires contact me personally, well-known names in the UK, who once, who based on what they saw from emails from us, wanted to know about the potential for investing. And once they realized what really was going down, politely moved on. Yeah, because I was talking to a couple of people here. Because they have a big show twice a year in Vegas for clothing in general and underwear. And I was asking a couple of them, I was like, well, what trends did you see while you were there? And they're like, well, no one's really doing anything this next year that's really out there or really taking a gamble. Because of the credit crunch, it's like everything's pretty much going to be normal, not too many wild things, not too many risk takers because they don't want to take the chance of spending the money and then come back later and be like, oh, yeah, no one bought it. That's right. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting over the next couple of months to see what does come out because I couldn't go this year to – well, I think for me, Tim, I think we've all been around stores, for example, commercial stores, large stores, and said, do you know what? How, how is this brand in business? And it shows you that there is a definite brand equation. And what I mean by that is if you have enough money, even if you have an average brand, if you have enough money to push that out there, the chances are you will come through because there's always enough people who will just buy it anyway. Yeah, because I have friends that are brand loyal to certain brands, and that's all they buy. Exactly. Because I kind of like to try everything. So I'm like, oh, I want to try this, I want to try that. Yeah. So I like I like certain brands, but like certain things and brands I don't like. Because yep. I've tried things, and I'm like, yeah, that wasn't my cup of tea. But other things, I was like, oh, a new brand. Let's try this. Because I've always been now, that way. Exactly. I mean, for example, if you think of, say, somewhere like Gap. Mm-hmm. I remember five years ago, I was always in Gap. Now, I can't, I can't, I just walk past Gap. Yeah. Because whenever I've seen the stuff they've got, just doesn't impress me. Simple yeah. as that. It's bland, whatever. Now, if I opened a shop, a small shop selling Gap gear, style gear, I'd be out of business within three months. Uh And that's what I mean about the brand equation. And that is something where when I decided to go and and idealistically try and do a brand and say, do you know what? I believe we could do something special. 
I had no one around me ever to tell me what that's about. Because how many people every day try and set up a brand? Not a lot. They might set up shops. They might set up small businesses. They might become a plumber or whatever. But they don't go and do a brand purely because it just they just don't. It's a lot of work to set up a brand. And then, so yeah. we sat... We sat there as a small company and with, with PR, with marketing, with imagery, with models, with styling, with fit, with colors, with taglines. We just threw the lot on the market out there. And I, I can honestly say um, we've loved providing what we've done. And some of our customers have been unbelievable. Yeah, and they're people that I'm still in contact now on Facebook and this kind mm-hmm. of stuff because they're just great people. But I can honestly say... Um, hopefully in two or three years time I can I can laugh at, at what we went through because we went through everything yep. and it's definitely been the worst result of my life I have to say it's always interesting so you started the, fa- was it the Facebook group you started was it a group or is it a page I don't remember I think it's a group you did that the other the other month so how's that going <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, this this was should James Winston Company live or yeah. die. Listen, I love being candid about things because hey, I haven't got time to bullshit anymore anyway. The only reason I did that was to attract some attention to see um what guys we may be able to hook up with potentially regarding the brand, but more importantly, because the brand was now defunct anyway, it was just to attract some attention to say, look, um we've done something exceptional who might want to hire us or even give us jobs. Okay, cool. It's that simple. I had nothing wrong with that because I've been doing similar things myself. So, <laughs> it's... Uh, I think once you, once you understand the underwear equation, my, my job was not to spend thousands uh, providing inspiration mm-hmm. to other brands. Exactly. And in effect, in effect... All I did was come up with a vanity project, and yeah, I absolutely do regret not buying those extra couple of houses that I could have done and rented them out and made money for, for not doing very much. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting business, I will say. There's a lot more goes into underwear than a lot of people think. So. Yeah, it's, it's all got to be a right, right level. I mean, I don't look at the, the competition as much as I used to. But I definitely know some of those guys are suffering. When you see the amount of reductions on some of the brands, mm-hmm. you know then some of them aren't going through great times. But again, the ones with tractions, the one with enough money behind them, they'll be they should be fine enough, really. Yeah, I think most of the most of the big brands will get through the credit crunch pretty well. Yeah, uh, some of the medium sized ones I know well. So the smaller ones are kind of. Some of them could be iffy, but a lot of the ones I've been dealing with have said they've, they're pretty good right now. Yeah. And they're going. So I hope all the ones I've worked with have been really good to work with. So, yeah. No one's been. That's one thing I found about men's underwear is it's a small world and everyone seems to know everyone else and everyone seems to be friendly. So, at, yeah. least, at least in the state. So, so it's been very well, nice. Well, let's, let's put it this way. I know for sure we would have had fun with this industry for the next three years. We had more surprises to come. And really, by the time we hit 2000 and the end of 2008, we had a real handle on what it took to wake up mm-hmm. the industry to our brand. We, we knew even down to what colors and, and, and again, 
I say it's not the kind of business you want to learn in trial and error because yeah. you end up spending a lot of money. That's that's the thing I regret the most. You have to spend far too much money in order to learn what's working. Yep. And it, it that calculated gamble turned into a nightmare for us. And it's just a bit of a shame because it's, you know, I'm the first person to sit there and admit to him. Uh, I went into a business. I did it for six months. I was crap and I went out of it. Mm-hmm. But with with this one, we know by the sheer amount of results we were getting, the sheer amount of plagiarism, not only from from un- other underwear brands, but from from uh, photographers, from magazine editors, yeah. the, the sheer amount of influence we were providing was just horrifying. Because some for for me, the equation was: hey, if you do something to an extremely good degree, you tend to get an end result from that. Not with an underwear brand at the wrong level. I have a new question for you. Did you ever think yes. about selling the brand to one of the bigger companies? Or, F- funny enough, we we actually tried that around um, October November time, and we sent them emails, just kind of going, "Hey, perhaps you might have contacts that might be interested." And obviously, we were hoping that someone might do just that. Okay, I think they probably. <laughs> it's kind of weird. One, just because you're an innovative brand, doesn't mean a larger company is going to share your vision. And more importantly, they don't need to because they're already doing fine enough as it is. So yeah, you might, they might consider you exceptional, but they don't need to worry about you because you're nothing. True. And that's, that's where it was at really. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, well, maybe they could have sold it, but you have a point there. So, I, I think I think this has really been the ultimate checkmate, Tim. Because from every angle, there was an obstacle that you could not surmount purely because you were a small company in a business model. That's the worst thing to be. Yeah, I know a couple of people are really upset that you're gone. So, um, like I said, I mean the reaction we got by email—you'll still see it on our press page—was was just phenomenal. And that's why I look ahead to the future. And one day, I really, really want to be able to laugh at that. At the moment, I don't have the greatest amount of sense of humor. I'm just glad that the 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 stress of doing what we did for and to end up losing so much is gone, really. Because it's it's not a nice feeling. I mean, it was heartwarming to receive those emails. But ultimately, business is about getting results. Yeah. And we starting naively meant that it was far too... It was far too hard to come through. And perhaps five years ago, Tim, we still may have come through. Ten years ago, we definitely would have come through. Yeah. Because the market was definitely uh, was very different five years ago. But starting three years ago, in the manner we did, if in effect underfunded, no way. It was a vanity project and a very, very expensive one and one that I actually do regret now. But hopefully um, some good will come out of the positivity we put into the market. We really tried to deliver quality. We did do that. We, we cared about what we did, and I think the people who dealt with us, 99% of them will say, yeah, these guys really did give a shit. Yeah, I think so. I think you'll have a good reputation with any of your customers, so. and that's always a good thing. <laughs> always a good thing. And that's about all the questions I had. It's very informative today. Excellent. So I know a couple of people are looking forward to hearing this podcast, so. <laughs> I hope everyone- well, I tell you what, they can always feel free to, to email me through the website. 
Um, I've, I've certainly got time to chat to people, whatever. Um, I, I'm just glad you've given us the opportunity to be very, Definitely. very candid. Definitely. It's, as I said, the podcast, hopefully, we'll get more brands on also, and then it's pretty, it's pretty much, everyone will see, it's like a work in progress with the podcast, yeah. and I have two other bloggers, one in the UK and one in Australia joining, yeah. too. So there's going to be probably a lot of different things coming in the next few weeks, so it's going to be a little wild at first, but we'll tame it and get it well, underway and have different people on, hopefully make it very interesting and... Everyone will enjoy it, I'm hoping. Well, I can tell you this, Tim. The one thing you do have is you've got that passion and you've got that drive for what you do. So you're going to be fine, mate. Yeah, I'm just doing it for the fun. So as soon as it's not fun, I won't do it. As soon as it's not fun, I'm not doing it anymore. So, <laughs> But I'm really enjoying it. There are days, though, where people will see on the blog where I'm just like, I really don't want to post today. So you can yeah. probably tell those days, but usually... a I'm learning how to schedule the time now a little bit better and get a lot of things done. So, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. We're doing some new things like the underwear of the week on the blog, and I have a new assistant editor guy who's helping me, which is taking a lot of stress off me because he can do a lot of things. And so it's just fun. And uh, with the two other guys helping with the podcast, it'll make it that easier. So I don't have to worry about time differences like today. So he can do the ones over there in Australia, which is just a nightmare to re- just try to find the time to record. He can do so. I'm like, perfect. So it'll it'll be fun, and both of them are really cool guys. And as you can tell at the end of that, that uh, we had some technical issues. The computer just sort of went crazy, and Skype just sort of blew up on us. But uh, we're talking about the other podcasters going to be joining us, uh, Zane and John, both will be with us shortly, and we hope you enjoyed this. I know at the end it kind of went kavlunky, but uh, it's uh, fun to do. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and if you have any other comments, questions, want to see something on the podcast, email me at info at underwearnewsbriefs.com, and also check out the blog, underwearnewsbriefs.com. It is updated quite often. I hope you enjoy it. We have some new things in the works, and we have some reviews coming out, some... Um, something new pretty much all the time so always check it and uh, have a good one and we will have a new podcast for you very soon again email us if you want to hear anything bye